Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And on this episode, we're going to do some thinking, doing, and playing board games. And Ryan? Oh, I believe this is your series this time. Are you hand- you're handing this back to me. It's the yep. Mechanics series. And uh, the reason why Ryan's handing this back to me is because this was my pick. And I picked the auction mechanism. Mm. Going once. Going twice. <laughs> Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Let's do some thinking, doing, playing board games. And Ian, start us off, please. Okay, so Ryan will be happy because I finally played one of his favorite games, Targi. He rarely talks about it. Did, yeah, did, you, did, you, did you buy it? I did. <gasps> yeah, Yay! I, uh, first board game I bought in a while. Uh, so yeah, so I picked it up and we gave it a go this weekend. It's a yeah, it's a neat little two-player game. I what I really like about it is how you select your actions or your spots, right? And how you're gonna take it. Because you you gotta build the board with all the, the border cards and then you fill the fill the middle. But you can only place your people on the outside, and then you kind of see where they join up, and then you get to take that action as well. But what's really cool about that is how badly you can mess over the other person, oh, <laughs> right? Because you passive you aggressive. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Oh, were, were you wanting in that row? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Because you can, yeah, you block off an entire row or an entire oh, did you column. You want that column? You you wanted that column? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty neat. Uh, it's you're collecting resources like almost every other game in existence. And you're trying to collect these cards that you can keep in your own personal area. But what I found is that money is hard (laughs) to get. The gold, Mm -hmm. holy cow, are they hard to get. Especially when the other player can block you out so easily. There might only be one option to get money on the board and they'll take it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, were you wanting to go there? Oh, I didn't know that. I couldn't see that. Didn't see that. Can't see your tableau building up, but I guess like I'm, I'm thinking that that's just like a really well designed that way because the game basically the that robber goes around the board right, blocking a spot different spot every time. Yeah, and once it gets all the way around, the game's done, and so the the game has a timeline to it, and so you don't want things to be too easy. Right, you can't get a card every time; otherwise, you'd end the game way too quickly if you fill up all your cards. And so, I guess that scarcity of gold actually works in the game's favor. But yeah. it's, a, it's a neat little game. Yeah, and there's a lot of cards where there is like the option of either paying a gold, or you might have to pay like three or four resources. Yeah, or something like that. Um, and a lot of times too, it's, sometimes it's, it's the card abilities. Like some of them grant you abilities. Some of them are just worth points, mm-hmm. straight up points. But then some of them are also abilities. And the one that if it does come out and it's super good, like Jen and I fight, like it's a, it's a dog fight to try to see who can get into that one. But it is the one that has the ability that you can 
place your targi opposite of another player's. Like it, it, yeah. it, they, they, they don't block the row or column for you anymore. And that that's like, wow. Yeah, that, that is a, that one's a big. really good ability. So we it's a tug of war constantly yeah, to try to get that, that. come up. And uh, we yeah, did have no, one. My wife, Kim, she got the one where she didn't have to worry about the raids. So once, once the robber reaches the corners, they'll take your stuff. Mm-hmm. And she just never had to worry about that at all. Yeah, that's a really good um, one as well. But you're right in, in, in the aspect of the gold. The gold is really hard to get come by. <laughs> um, unless if you kind of try to get like some sort of generation of resources that, but you are capped at resources though. You can't have, you can't just stockpile resources. Oh, that's right. There, there is a limit. I think it's, uh, 10, I want to say and three, 10. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so you do have to end up spending, you do end up having to spend them, but there is that, there is that one spot that allows you to convert goods into, into gold mm-hmm. as it would have um, the expansion helps that though. There, there's a new resource called water in the expansion, and oh, I've heard water, of water before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it it it's it's quite a commodity too because every now and then you could trade in your water for gold, and it's actually a very cheap conversion to it. Like it's like three water for a gold, and water is actually in the expansion. It's pretty easy to come by. And so it kind of makes it, it changes the strategy of the game quite a bit because it introduces that new one that allows you these other conversions into these different things that you can purchase now the cards with the gold easier. And um, we found that with the expansion, uh, the, the, the little robber doesn't always get all the way around the board. We, there's always one of us that will fill up our tableau first. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, we, we, we rarely have the robber go all the way around if we're playing. We have the robber goes around quite a bit when we're uh, with just the base game. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we've played a lot of Targi. I've played a lot of Targi. I've <laughs> <laughs> only played once so far, but I well, liked it. Well, I had the opportunity to take a, a game off the haven't played it yet shelf, and um, I played uh, The Captain is Dead. Designed by Joe Price and J.T. Smith, published by Alderac AEG, Alderac Entertainment Group. Um, this is without without having to pay for the IP. This is basically Star Trek, uh, uh, the board game without the <laughs> without the expensive IP. Um, the concept is it's a so the reason I bought it it's because it's a cooperative game, and in my in my solo brain any cooperative game is soloable. So uh, it's the premise that the 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 spaceship has been attacked. The captain, and in this first primary attack, the captain dies. Therefore, the captain is dead. And the goal of the game is to get your jump drive back online so you can fly away. And typically with cooperative games, I mean, it's the same kind of event deck that comes out, and then you're building your resources, and then an event hits you. How this one is different. There's no lull. Every moment you're getting pummeled, you're getting hammered, something's shutting down, something's getting attacked, something's getting blown up, and you're having to go put out all these little fires, plus try to find the resources and capacity to go into the engineering bay and upgrade the uh, the jump drive. And and um, it's it basically it's tracks and cards activate. Inact, you know, active, inactive in regards to teleporters. And so you have your spaceship divided into all these little areas like the bridge, engineering, uh, the med bay, the cargo bay. Each of these areas uh, uh, allows for uh, several different actions to occur. And, uh, and it's just this dynamic, you know, uh, I was going to say ballet, but it's more like a Cirque du Soleil uh, um uh, battle damage, uh, 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 chaos going on. Uh, I've played it, oh man, four or five times over the weekend. And it has, first of all, it has the good signs of a very good cooperative game is I have yet to even get into, there's like a, there's like a level one, level two and level three. I've yet to get to level three because I, I'm done, right? 
uh, I either get overrun or my shields blow up or, you know, whatever the condition is to, for me to lose the game, I'm familiar with. <laughs> so the, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, and I've heard, I, of course, anytime we're buying a game, we're doing, re we're teachers, we're doing research. So I did my research on this one. A lot of the same reviewers that I, I kind of connect with were, were, were big on this game. So I picked it up and, and I'm, so far I'm happy. So far, it's a puzzle that is is making me want to set it back up and go, all right, I'm going to try it this way. There is a plethora of characters that you can play that have individual powers. So depending on, you know, the dynamic combination of, of the characters you pick, you might have a good combo. You might have a combo that's that's going to fail out of the gates because... You got to get certain resource cards to be able to trigger certain, uh, um, you know, uh, rebuilds, right? So, yeah, I, I'm I'm having fun with this one so far. Yeah, the captain is dead. Never heard of it. M me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it onto our radars. Yeah. So the uh, this yeah. Oh, and again, the only complaint I would have so far is that, and again. Not a complaint, but if I was to point out something right away that my attention went to, I'm like, oh, well, okay, it's the cards are thin. And when you get thin cards, they kind of warp a bit. Mm. Mm. So I solved that. I put them in sleeves. Yeah. See, I sleeve cards, right? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I would, I, I mean, I th and I think this was a really, like, an incredibly reasonable price point for a game. And, and, and it's that's yeah. the reason why, and that's the reason. Yeah, um, and I'm a big fan. I'm a big, you know, big sci-fi nerd. Star Trek and Star Wars, they can live together. They can. Can they? They can. <laughs> Ian's wearing One. a Star Wars shirt right now, so I think he would disagree. <laughs> well, and I, I've I'm got Star Wars memorabilia. Yeah, and it's a funny thing. I've got Star Wars memorabilia all over my office, and I don't have any Star Trek stuff. <laughs> Wait, I, I got the RPG. Star Trek game. So there we go. Um, but yeah, the Captain is Dead. I, I encourage people to try this one out. Ryan. We've got time? another cardboard, cardboard conundrum. conundrum. We're going to work on that. We'll work we, on that. We, we, we need a sound effect. All right, that. Ryan. What's the conundrum? <laughs> okay. So it kind of like in a little sidebar here, I've put it something, something to do with board game economics. Now, for some reason, I always find myself in these conversations about <laughs> economic. Like I'm not an economics expert whatsoever, but I I am a speculator of sorts, and I kind of think that I know how to judge the value of 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 of, of something. So, anyways, um, what I put in the notes here is that I found something interesting that has happened during the Everdell um, Kickstarter. So I haven't talked about Kickstarter in quite some time, and good for good for me. I haven't backed anything in, a, in, a, in a, like you know a week or so. But his <laughs> no, I'm just is, kidding. His eye is twitching feverishly. Um, Everdell is a fairly popular game from my from what I've understood. Um, nothing about it really has jumped out at me that says that hey, I need to have this uh, game. This is not about Ryan going to back the Everdell Kickstarter out there right now. But something's interesting. So right now on Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter will be over by the time this, this episode releases, um, you can get a couple new expansions. But what they've decided is that now the Everdell game lineup is going to be complete. And so they are also offering a complete edition of, of Everdell. And so you can back at a particular uh, pledge level, you can get the new expansions and everything else that has been released before Ever for Everdell in a nice big box storage solution with some deluxe upgrades and everything. And people are going nuts about this because apparently this price for this complete edition is like super awesomely good. Like they're saying it's, it's extremely cheap and how dare they do this to all <laughs> of us already like long-term like Junkies. Everdell, Everdell fans that have backed 
and supported this game for years? And how come we can't get any in on any of this really good deal stuff? Like we've had to pay hundreds of dollars more for all of this stuff. And now these people who are brand new to the hobby are going to get in on this at a super cheap price point. <laughs> Man, they're but, just giving it away. Like, <laughs> now, now, to put this into perspective here, I've got the Everdell Kickstarter up here right now. If you want just the two new expansions, just, just the two new expansions, um, $60 US. If you Which want is the, 150 Canadian for those people doing the math. <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm the, joking. The, the, well, the dollar's getting better. <laughs> it is getting better. Um, next pledge level, two new expansions and the big storage box for all your current Everdell stuff, $100, so 90, or $99. If you want everything that's ever been released, $200. So just $100 more gets you everything in Canada. Has been is everything that has been released up until now, which I which everybody's saying, yeah, that like, that's like right now that whole complete thing is probably about a close to like four hundred four hundred fifty dollar value mm-hmm. in stuff that they've already that they've already paid. And so like I I bring it up like I was talking to Norm about this um, today. Um, Ian's the movie guy. I'm gonna try to do like the movie reference. Like, hey, you a brand new hot movie comes out. Um, the big fancy Blu-ray that Ian really likes to have um, comes out. He's going to pay, if he really enjoys the movie, he's going to pay that premium price. I don't even know what Blu-ray movies cost now. I have no idea. Yeah, probably like... Like a hot drop, like like a like just released, fresh off the press. Probably 20 to 30 bucks. Okay. And now in a few years' time, Ian's going to see that exact same copy of that Blu-ray in the discount bin for like five bucks. Right. Is, is Ian going to be like super upset that that movie is now years later at a significantly discounted price in the sale bin? Do you, do you feel the need to ask for your, your, the difference in the money from somebody? Is that, well, I want my yeah. 250. Where's my $2? <laughs> Does that no, make sense? Of course Ian? I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that's what these essentially these, these 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 pledgers are doing in the Everdell. So that's kind of drive that's driving me nuts because Everdell is not a brand new game. It's been out for a while now. Um, I can I I, I probably could two pull. years, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, twenty four like months, years. man. Twenty four. No, but oh. you know what? That maybe, maybe that's three. part of that whole Kickstarter entitlement. Because I've heard a lot of people tell you know it's like. Oh, if you're going on Kickstarter, there's all this attitude. Well, I, you know, I better get it first and I better get the best and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Kickstarter is an entrepreneurial relationship. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. So, yeah, maybe there's that attitude of, of, hey, I was there in the beginning and, and you, you owe me now. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it could also be that they are price correcting because I have heard um, from 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 close listeners of the show or good friend or sorry good friends of the show the Stevensons of Board on the Air, um, the amount of content you get in a Everdell expansion is is not proportional to the box size of the of, of the expansion itself, <laughs> as in the the, the expansions are. In, in housed in these kind of like these thinner large boxes but the amount of content that's actually in there does not justify a the box size and b the price point mm. that they sell these kicks that they sell these expansions at so maybe this uh complete edition maybe closer reflects the actual price point of all of those of, of all of that stuff that you're actually getting but then in our discussion earlier today we talked about about the hype right this is what if you want this now, this is what it's going to cost you, mm-hmm. right? If you and this whole idea of well, I can't wait. I need it now. I have to have it. Now. Well, then you pay premium. Absolutely. Yes. If you're the Ryan Rouse of the world, and <laughs> yeah. you, need, you need to have the hottest Kickstarter like right yeah. now, and you, you just kind of just you know just willy nilly just push that back button without thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going. You're going to pay for it. Well, and but I mean that's part of that's and we talked that speculative economy, right? You want it now? Fine. This is how much it costs, right? And I think we got into the discussion too about about uh, Ginkopolis, 
right? There's a new edition mm-hmm. coming out. And the same with Rococo and Bruges, right? Oh, mm-hmm. there's a new copy coming out. Well, that that copy of Rococo that was a you know a unicorn, well, now it's and now it's 20 bucks. It's like, mm-hmm. well, no, mm-hmm. no, it still maintains its market value until and maybe it, it still maintains it because maybe the new edition of Bruges comes out and I don't know what the title is, but people go, Oh, well, I don't like it. I like the Coliseum. Coliseum came out and everyone's like, oh, no, the Days of Wonders, way, way, it's better, way better, right? So that copy's held its value. So, mm-hmm. you know, speculation. Yeah. Last thing I'm going to say about this one is that this complete edition on Kickstarter, so people who have nothing with Kickstarter, uh, no, no Everdells right now, I'm assuming, 11,500 backers at that complete edition level. That's 11,000 people that are now going to experience this game. <laughs> and and they're getting and they apparently they're getting a really good deal and good for them that, yeah. that, that, that this company wants that game in those people's hands. There could there also could be the small percentage of people that already own Everdell but want this one and then they're going to sell off their, their their original you know parts well, why would they do? They could just pay a hundred dollars, and they would get their oh, big that's right. box, they get the and, box two new, and, and, and two. Yeah, there's Dang. eight thousand. There's eight thousand people doing that. <laughs> well, there you go. I just an- you just answered my question. So, and then there's only um, two thousand people that are only just getting just the two expansions. Anyways, this is a massively popular Kickstarter right now. They they've got Isn't they've like got three money. million. I um, I don't know about you guys, but when I when I buy a game. I kind of don't even think about the cost after. Like once it once I've got it, I don't. It does the how much I paid for it doesn't linger in my mind. So mm. like if I'm if I'm looking at something like this, I wouldn't put together how much I paid for the old Everdell stuff. I wouldn't even. Like, it's past it's water under the bridge. That's money <laughs> that, that's gone. So you're the guy who's anymore. not complaining on Kickstarter about this, right? <laughs> yeah. No, that, 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 that's a good point. Like, I don't think about that afterwards. We just had the Gamers Garage sale here on the Facebook community, and I'm not thinking about, really, what did I pay for no. this game um, beforehand. My goal is that I want to create room on my shelf yeah. and, 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 and stuff like that. So it's like if people make me a, a what I think is a decent offer, I... I I've, like I've got my whole economics thing figured out in my brain of how I price things, and I price things pretty cheaply um, here in here. Because you wanted to move, old game yeah. comes out, new game comes in. Yeah, like I've had some people come up to me and say, "Wow, you're really going to sell that for that much?" I'm like, mm, "Yeah, why not?" <laughs> I'm, yeah, it's all about I'm not, shelf I'm, real I'm estate. Not, I, if I'm in this to make money, I'm in yeah. the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, I should have stayed in school. <laughs> oh, I feel I feel like I, in a future episode i'm just gonna we should just do a whole episode on just economics let's do it i love it <laughs> i feel like i feel like i should have been an economics expert <laughs> at, 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 in, in another life like i i know nothing about the actual theory or anything yeah i like can that, see but. you in a bow tie yeah <laughs> <laughs> This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going into topics of interest, and it's my turn in the Mechanics series, and we're going to talk about the auction mechanism. See how I was able to use both words and, and, and not annoy and annoy everybody at the same time? Mechanics, mechanism. Your flip-flopping annoys me, man. I know, I know. <laughs> and and it, it, do, it does, are, are, are we and it doesn't. This, are we going to get into this meta discussion of what is the correct term? No, because it doesn't okay. matter. <laughs> Thank you. Just like the Everdale Kickstarter. All right. No. Um, <laughs> all right, so the auction mechanism. I'm, I'm just going to go straight into it because I'm a, I'm a nerdy teacher. So 
our experience or my experience with auction system is probably the idea of one person yelling out numbers, starting out small, getting higher until no one yells back at the first person. <laughs> That's me being a kid at uh, farmers markets and and little uh, little uh, farm auction sales. So um, at first, you're not sure what's going on, but wow, that's a lot of energy, enthusiasm, and emotion. And that's what auction systems do for me. Uh, they just get me on the edge of my seat when I'm not even interested in something because everybody else is, and it's a drama to watch. So let's go to the basics. So what is an auction? From his article, Auctions, Leslie R. Fine writes, An auction is an economic mechanism whose purpose is the allocation of goods and the formation of prices for those goods via a process known as bidding. Depending on the properties of the bidders and the nature of the items to be auctioned, various auction structures may be either more efficient or more profitable to seller than others, uh, to mm. the seller than others. Uh, the author goes on to uh, continues to go on to say, like all well-designed economic mechanisms, the designer assumes that individuals will act strategically and may hold private information relevant to the decisions at hand. Auction design is a careful balance of encouraging bidders to reveal valuations and discouraging cheating or collusion and maximizing revenues. My big problem is the valuations. Just how do I evaluate something, right? So let's get into the different types of auctions. And this was so much fun for me, this research part, because I discovered some new things that made my brain pop. Um, so there's different types of auctions. So there's an open auction. The auctioneer opens the bidding at a reserve price, which may be zero, the lowest price he is willing to accept for the item. Once a bidder, uh, so once a bidder has announced interest at that price, the auctioneer solicits further bids, usually raising the price to a predetermined bid increment. Uh, this continues until no one is willing to increase the bid any further. At which point the auction is closed at the uh, at the final bidder, uh, and the final bidder receives the item as uh, his bid price. Um, so there's increasing and decreasing variations. Um, one, uh, one, and I'm going to get into some sub details. So there's the open ascending price auction, which is what we're familiar with. Uh, it, it starts at a small number and, and goes up. And then there's the descending price auction, uh, which begins at a high asking price for some quality of items. And then the price is lowered until a uh, participant is willing to accept the auctioneer's price for some quality of goods in lot or until the seller's reserve price is met. Uh, this one is used, I think it's referred to as the Dutch auction, and this is how they they get rid of big lots of flowers. They just set a price, no one wants to bite, they drop it, they drop it until someone goes, sold, and then they just quickly move it on. Um, hmm. So, uh, do, do, do. open descending, as I said, uh, when the bidding starts, no bidders can join, uh, and bid continues until each round, uh, either the price changes or drops. There's time variance. Um, there, there's one that's called the candle variant, and they light a candle, and it's for ship auctions. They light a candle, and the auction lasts for as long as the candle burns down to the end of the wick. Um, that is very much like eBay auctions, where there's yeah. a timer, right? And, and, of course, we know what happens with eBay with all that sniping that comes in at the last few seconds. Um, there's two concepts in, in, in certain bidding systems, there's absolute auction, which means that the price can go, that can sell um, short or it can sell hot and heavy. And then there's the reserved, which means that whoever's selling that item says, we must get this minimum price. This, this number is reserved and it won't sell if it doesn't break that threshold price. Uh, and of course, there's the silent auction, which uh, everyone's familiar with at charity events where the item is there, there's a sheet in front, and everybody just takes turns. And it's basically an open auction system without having the, the people participate in a, in a synchronous uh, auction environment. This is more of an asynchronous uh, auction system. That reminds uh, me of that episode of The Office where Dwight thought that the silent auction was guessed the correct price. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so he won every, every single item there and had to pay a thousands of dollars <laughs> that's a bad flashback um we get into the sealed bid which uh a sealed bid auction is a type of auction process in which all bidders simultaneously 
submit sealed bids to the auctioneer so that nobody knows how much the other auction participants have bid. Sealed bid refers to a written bid placed in a sealed envelope. And in some games, it's put the money in your hand, close your hand and put it in the middle and then show, you know, at a count. There's an interesting variant called the Vickery variant. This is identical to the sealed first bid auction, except that the winner bidder pays the second highest bid rather than their own bid. So that's kind of cool. Um, there is turn order. So turn order one time offer is uh, in turn order to the left of the active player. Each player can bid higher or pass. An active player auctioneer is the last to act. Then there's the turn order open offer, which uh, in turn order to the left of the active player, each player can bid higher or pass uh, out of, out of uh, auction and continues until there are no further bids, highest bidder wins. Kind of like an open bidding system, but it's more in a uh, um, uh, um, kind of chronological uh, ability to either pass or or um, uh, take the bid. Right? It's not this mm. open simultaneous thing. You you, you you know, as it's coming around to you, you might think, okay, I'm, I'm going to bid thirty, and by the time it comes to you, it's already at forty five, and you ah, right? That's the that's the only kind of not burn, but that's the only thing to consider with that one. Then there is fixed price, which is not, and I'm, I'm using this example because it's coming from one of my favorite games that I'll talk about when we get into that part of it. Um, but fixed, pri- fixed price, it's not true auction. It's more like offer to sell, where the active player sets the price of the item and in turn order, starting to the left of the active player, each player has the option to buy or pass. If all players, if, if they all pass, then the active player either keeps the item or pays the bank to, uh, the fixed amount. Um, so this is where I started getting really curious and, and you just went um, down a rabbit hole. Oh yeah. <laughs> in, in the idea of cat. And I haven't seen this in games before. And I, I want someone to see this cascade bidding systems. So the entire auction is a series of single type auctions that lead to the next. So the Amsterdam auction begins with an open ascending auction, like we're all used to. And once, uh, only two are left they, uh, they, to proceed. They do a sealed bid and the highest bidder wins and paying either the first or second bid because there's a premium that's paid in the first session. So I thought that was kind of cool. The next one um, is the French style. It starts out as a sealed bid auction. Then it goes into an open ascending auction and the sealed bid winner, um, uh, at, with the sealed bid winner, establishing the reserve price of the open ascending auction. That is interesting. Auctionception. Yeah, that is so interesting, right? It's sort of like, well, let's, let's first auction what the, what the entry price is. Then we do the auction at this new... So it's, yeah, that would be interesting. So with that auction system in games, there's always going to be a little twist to it, and I, and I call it the cost of bidding. So when you bid in certain games, there's going to be a variant to it. Um, sometimes, so when you bid, money goes to the bank. Sometimes the money goes to the lowest losing bidder. Sometimes you pay uh, your, your bid only if you win. And sometimes you pay your bid whether you win or lose. And I've played games that have had every one of those elements and they were so well balanced in regards to how they connected thematically with the game. This next part, so I thought when I doing this mechanism series, for me at least, I thought let's get the let's get the idea of what it is, and then let's just run a list of all of these games that are considered to hold this mechanism, and let's just talk about them. And pardon me, I'm going to start by now again. Ryan and I were talking, and uh, and I. I'm presenting this mechanism. I'm not saying I'm good at it. <laughs> I suck at auction games because, like I presented before, I have such difficulty in evaluating, you know, starting bid or, or how, how with my assets, how does this increase or decrease or, or yeah. So I, I'm still working on that part. So yeah, the, once, the, once, once you turn it into a game, I'm horrible at economics. <laughs> 
So I, I just finished it. I really like the, the concept of economics and trying to price out and value things like the Everdell Kickstarter and stuff like that. But now once, <laughs> once I get into a game, I have no idea what the heck I'm doing. Now, auction games, I perform horribly at because people will be like, I bid something. They're like, yeah, okay, take it. I'm like, oh, have it. Crap. Did I overbid? Yeah. So my the game I want to start by talking about, uh, to me, uh, encompassed this whole auction thing, and it's Modern Art by Reiner Knizia. And I think the, the most current is a Simon version. And that one, that game is all about auctioning because it's 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 wrapped up in this idea of your your art, uh, your museums, and your collecting art. So uh, there's a really cool economy built into this uh, auction system with this game. So uh, it uses the open, it uses the sealed, it uses uh, the fixed price. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that I mean, I stayed away from auction games because I was so bad at them, but this one just brought so much amusement and joy <laughs> with that auction system. And again, I, I could get into the economics, but we're not talking about economic games. Um, but this game is fundamentally an auction-driven game that has an economy behind it. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of modern art. If if no one's ever played it, this one, art. this one, this one's famous because that it does incorporate all of these different types of auctions inside the game. Like, there's not just one set one. There's a there's like you said, there is a there's a variety in the auctions that that are going to take place. And that's why people really really enjoy it. I have not played Modern Art, but I've heard about it. And that that's the one thing that really stands out in lots of the discussions is that there has a variety mm. of auctions. So if you're an auction aficionado, uh, Modern Art is probably one for you. One ga- like again, a game that I have to try. Yeah. Well, I have it, so there you go. It's in the community. <clears throat> Ian, have you have you played this before? I have not. No. Cool. But I have heard it's kind of like the the ultimate auction game. Yeah. Well, all right. So that's that's me pulling off the list. That's my example. I know. Ian, I'm I'm going to prompt you. Can you talk about Princes of uh Princes, Princes of, of Yeah, because that is an auction-driven game and you previously had said how much you love this game. So I do. It has this been a while since me. I played it though, but from pulling back from my Poor memory banks. Uh, I think what's neat about that is because you're auctioning for a few different types of things. Yeah. So you're auctioning for different buildings that you can take or you're auctioning for different like bonus cards uh, or uh, actions that can get you bonuses later in the game. And so there's a variety of things that are in the auction pool, I guess you can call it. Yeah. But you're only going to get one of those things, and so when they come up for bid, you have to decide what you want to what you want to put your money towards, and what you think the other people are going to as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is again they they use the auction system, but they have a little twist where uh, in the round, if you've won something in the auction, mm-hmm. you can't participate in it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's and right. and if the active player has selected something to go to auction and they haven't won the auction then they get to pick again something right. from the auction. So that's a, another variant to this auctioning is is the the player control. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is like if, if I'm thinking about what makes auction games good, like why why is it a a thing that we like in games? I think the fact that it is so player driven is a bonus, right? The yeah. fact that the players can kind of determine the value of these things as a group. I kind of, I like that aspect. Yeah. Cool. It, ma- it makes the games interactive. Absolutely. Is, 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 is the one that is the term that we often hear about. And for some reason we are as gamers, it, we are drawn to if there's player interaction, not necessarily it's always multiplayer solitaire, like I'm going I'm in control of what I do and that's all I'm going to do for this game but if they yeah, once you have that hey now I get to negotiate or I get to auction like you said the players are in control of what things yeah. are worth yeah which is really really kind of cool right. <laughs> 
This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape's escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Well, and it draws in those those three uh, adjectives I used: energy, enthusiasm, and emotion. Like when you when you're looking at a piece that in an auction, and you like power grid. It's like, oh, I need that plant. I need, and all of a sudden, you're looking at your money compared to everybody else, and it just it, you, that you're crushed. I can't, <laughs> I can't get it. I don't have any money. Right. Um, so Ryan, your turn to pull something off the list. Okay, well, one of the, the one that I see on the list here is one of my absolute favorite, and I know we've all played this um, extensively. Is the concept of uh, the game for sale, uh, which is a fantastic because uh, it's one of those games. It's one of those games where it's um, it's <coughs> split into two phases, and the first phase is the auction phase, and so there are going to be the buildings out in the middle of the table, and there's enough for every player. And the first player gets to, and what you're essentially doing is you're bidding on the the, the highest valued building at, Can, at, at, at any given time. I want to cut in quickly because it's, there's now a condition that's new, which is limited economy. Right. There's there's only you have yeah. a set you have a set amount of money to start the auction to start the game with, and that is all that you actually. Um, that's all you actually have to bid. So once you've ran out of money, you have to pass, essentially, uh, uh, in the auction. And when you pass in an auction, in these ones, you have to take the lowest valued uh, building that's available, which is really quite a need because I was talking about this, that um, this really puts the the pressure on the the, the first player in any, <laughs> oh, yeah. in any given round because you you have to set the, the, the price of the, what people are going to go for. Is it a building that you don't care about? If it's a building you don't care about, you might just start the bid at like $1. If it's something that you really do care about, well, you're probably going to start it higher, but knowing that you are going to get outbid. And this is one of these open ones, right? Because it can continuously loop. But by the time it gets back to you, you might have, you'd be like, I don't want to buy a 29 building for nine coin. No. But the the really cool part, because you mentioned that that there's the ones where the, the money gets returned to you or you have to pay. So let's just, if I did bid six dollars, yeah, and it comes around to me, and I've, and I don't want to participate in the auction anymore. Well, I can pass, but I still have to pay half of what I what I what I bid. And that was one of those criteria, yeah. Yeah. That that, and this one, really- like like you said, you might want that one, but the se- this the second rated card, for half just- the for half what you have to pay. Oh, that's a good deal. Right. Yeah. And then the second phase is what? Well, the second phase is now that you've taken your building cards and now you are going to try to buy one of the um, the checks that's, uh, that, that are out there. And so what you have to do is everybody will see the row of money out there and, and you'll have to select. That's and auction-like, that, that second phase. Well, it's more like the blind bidding, right? Yeah. Everyone's yeah. kind of yeah. putting yeah. down one value. And then the sealed bid. The yeah, place. absolutely. Yeah. And then everybody reveals and... The highest bid, the highest valued card gets the highest amount of money. The lowest gets the lowest amount of money and everybody in between. Yeah. You figure it out and you do it for a set number of rounds, however many it is for each player count. And uh, oh my goodness, it's fantastic. I'm horrible at it (laughs) because, well, this is also due because if you won the auction, then you are the one to start the next auction. Now that's a really crucial point of that one because like I said, being the the first one to start the auction it, it is really twi- is really challenging. Sometimes in that game, I like being the third in line f- for bidding because then I can evaluate a lot tighter. Do I want to pass and take what's available to me, or do I want to push this push this bid and maybe I can maybe I can get the second one for half my bid cost, right? Or maybe I might get stuck with a 
with a, an expensive card kind of thing. So, yeah. And Ian, you've played this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love For Sale. It's a great game. And it's a very uh, user-friendly game, right? It's easy to get non-gamers to, to mm. give this one a try, which kind of brings me to my next pro of auction games is that the, the concept this works for sale because the concept is really easy for people to understand because everybody understands auctions, right? Everybody knows what an auction is and has an idea of how they work. And so yep. if you can pull people in with that idea, you can you can usually drag them into a game with you. And, and an auction is never idea. boring. Yeah. Never boring. Yeah, for sale is a great game. Unless yeah. you've run out of money and you have to pass every single turn, <laughs> then the auctions, then it's like, oh, and I'm just watching everybody else have fun. Yeah. <laughs> It'll take the dog. Cool. Well, so who wants to pull a pull? A, oh, Ian, talk to me. Talk, talk to me about Vegas Showdown. Yeah, I'm actually going to bring up two. Okay, so yeah, because they're kind of the sim- similar ideas: Vegas Showdown and Cyclades. So with, with these ones, well, Vegas Showdown, you're bidding for the rooms that you can get. And Cyclades, you're bidding for the actions that you can take. But the auctions are very similar because there's tracks underneath the, the tiles. And you basically you take your marker and you put them on the track. But somebody else can come and bump you off, right? If they can go and take the next spot and now you're bumped off that track and you got to go somewhere else. And so you have to and you can't jump ahead of them that's yeah. that's the interesting thing is you can't just jump ahead on the track you got to go to another track like you were out of there at least for the time being unless you get pumped off of that one yeah. then you can go back again so it's an interesting dynamic of cool who's, who's going for these ones and who's going for these ones am i going to get bumped off and if so what's my second option where do i go yeah. next this also comes up in the game stockpile Oh that, yeah, that 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 exact same auction for the group of cards that you're going to that you're going to take the, for the for the, the given the round. The piles of stock that you're populating, yeah, yeah. And of course, the hidden knowledge and all that that blends so well. And you know, I'm noticing a lot that a lot of the games, I mean, auction can stand. I mean, for sale. It can stand on its own, just being a simple, just a straight out auction mechanism. And then you get into games where it's woven into the, you know, it's one of several mechanisms in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm loving the, how you, how variable this, this mechanism is. Which, um, can I jump into like yeah. one, the one that stands out to me is in five tribes. Every round you auction uh, the, 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 the player order for Initiative. the round, for, for yeah. the, for the round, which is so neat. Cause in that game, player order can matter. It can't matter depending on your perception of the board state. You might see that is a really awesome <laughs> move. I need to get them. But do other players see also that see that exact same move and how beneficial yeah. it is to them do I bid high to make sure that I did? Or can I actually get this? Can I go second or third? Well, that's not evaluating, right? In the term B. And five tribes too, the, if I do go second or third, well, the board state, if they didn't do that move, the board state could change. Yeah. And now all of a sudden that move is not there. So you have to kind of, so the, the, the positioning in and around. So auctioning that position is really kind of neat for player initiative and player turn order. Yeah. Five I times to, does it really great. I want to come back to a, a, another simple game that I think we've all played and, and it's Biblios where the second half of that game is an auction. And sometimes it's, it's lethal. It's brutal. Right. The, I mean, the first part of the game where you're distributing the, the, the books, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's then the, the second draft. part of the, yeah. And then the second part of the game is that, is that auction for getting the books that have the most value to them and winning those categories. And, and again, the, the evaluating, I mean, this is a very simple, elegant game where the evaluation is just chaotic for me every time. Right. It adds a sense of doubt to your plans, hey? Because you, <laughs> you, you don't know what's... 
You've seen me play then, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're not like, quite sure if you're going to get what you need with the right amount of money or with Bibliose. You don't necessarily know what's coming up. And so you don't know if you're putting your eggs in the right baskets. Or the most painful thing is when it's all done and you're still holding money in your hand. It's like, yeah, oh, like I didn't. What? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or that engagement factor of... Oh yeah, I think I got this one in the bag, and then all of a sudden Norm bids out of nowhere. I'm like, I didn't know Norm was actually going for that. Yeah. <laughs> what that? What the heck are you doing? Most of the time, I don't know I'm going for that. Um, yeah, so th- I mean, again, very simple, but wow, engaging. Um, who wants? Who wants to hit? There's a there's a one right oh. on the top of the list. I know yep. you. Yeah, love. I love this game. Um, the estates. Um, published by Capstone Games, um, part of their Simply Complex lineup. And literally what you're doing in, in the estates is that you are... <laughs> Beating you know, everybody up. <laughs> well, you're, 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 build, you're building these towers of these cubes and these blocks to kind of like represent these estates that are going out onto this board. Um, but every single piece that's going to get placed onto this board, it has to go through an auction. And... It's so cool. This is another closed economy. Uh, whatever the amount of money that's been distributed around the table, that's the only money in, in the, the in, in, in the, the game. game. And a cool thing that you can do on your turn is that you can actually tuck away um, one of the checks that you've received, and that's worth a point at the end of the game. But also, what you're doing is you've taken away a dollar bill out of the out, game. Of, out, out of the game out of the auctions. And simply what you're doing is when you, when you select a piece and auction it, that's going, uh, so on your turn, that's what you have to do. You have to select a piece to auction off and that's going to provide you income, hopefully provide you income <laughs> until it comes hopefully. back around. Cause that's going to be all, that's going to be all the money you have now until it comes back around to you again, when you put something up for auction. And so, yeah, so the, the money is just going to go to the person um, that is putting the, the bid up for auction. But also, the person who's put up the bid for auction has the opportunity to buy that, uh, buy that item for the last bid that, yeah. was, that was given to them. They're like like so, own the company or something like that. Yeah. yeah, so if it came around, I'm the person who's auctioning, Norm bids five, and I'm like, nope, I will pay you five to keep this piece. Yeah. And put it put it down on the board, which puts you at a detriment because now you don't have any income. You don't have a lot of income now for the next your next turns. That game showed me how auctions can be a, a, a knife fight in a phone booth. <laughs> that game is brutal. I mean, it's awesome, but it can be nasty. Right. Yeah. And like and like the first color that you purchase you now own that color for the rest of the game. So you're trying to make sure that that color is on the top of the estates. That you're going to score, you're gonna score the point. You're going to score those points. Yeah. And there's things about like negative points that I remember all about that thing. If the yeah. row was not completed, um, it was, it was, it's really good. Everything's run through an, every <gasps> single piece is run through an auction. Cool. Ooh. Cool. Ian, you got something? I've got something and ready to go, but I want to... Yeah, wanna see. I'm just going to mention Container, because Container yeah. is pretty neat. It's With Container, you're trying to get shiploads of goods. There's a whole process... Did you say shiploads? I did. Shiploads. Yes. yes, okay. Thank you. <laughs> For a PG podcast. Just didn't know what, if I needed to edit or not. Okay, okay. And uh, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of processing that's got to go for you to get there. So you're basically... Filling up your ship full of full of all these different containers, and then you're sending it to auction. So there's a whole bunch of work that comes before the auction, but you are deciding, each of the players is deciding what they're putting up for auction. And so it's kind of neat because it's not like something in the game is now up for auction. It's you yourself are putting it up, and the yeah. other players are bidding for it. And then it's a neat twist when we talk about where does the money go, because... In this case, oh, I hope I'm getting this right. Half of the money, the highest Conjecture, bid, baby. yeah, the highest bid, half of that money goes to you. Is I'm pretty sure that's how it works, or is it the whole money? No, the way it works is you get the money, but you also get money from the bank. 
And so, no, now I'm forgetting how it works. <laughs> Crap. There's so but, many auctions. But 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 they gave, they give you a nice twist to this variant, right? Yeah, it definitely is because you you definitely want people to bid more for yeah for your container. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. Is the bank? I'm pretty sure the bank gives you they match the highest kind of buffs up your yeah. winning bid. Yeah, and because the other option is that you can buy your own goods for the highest bid, right? So if Ryan yeah. bids has the highest bid, I can say, sorry, Ryan, I'm going to take it. So I'm going to pay whatever you paid for it, but then I don't get that bonus from you the You don't bank. get the buff. Yeah. Right. Cool. So it's a, it's a neat twist on that. Cool. Um, I want to, I want to present, cause I hope everyone's played this one, um, how they use this auction mechanism in regards to turn order structure. And that's El Grande where, mm. where you, basically have this sealed bid auction of of turn order and you have for the whole game you have a deck of cards i think one to 13 or something like that and yeah it's it's one and done so through the whole game you have to work out this sealed bid when when do i want to make sure and of course the the higher the initiative order on your card there's not that much of a bonus payout in regards to getting people on the board so right. yeah you could go first but you're not going to get that com- compensatory um buff on the card if you're going last then yeah you put a whole lot of people on that right you 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 get that machine of 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 area control meeples going um because of that i think that's a great balance to how they use the auction system for turn order in that game and throughout the whole game too so yeah I, that's what i'm digging about the auction for el grande really cool yep right on do we have uh do we have one more on the way out oh there's I think so we many gotta there's talk so about raw right there, there, i would say there's I've so many never on this played list. yeah well there you go i mean that's Kenizia, isn't it yeah, because yeah, Kinezia is like the king of auctions. Well, there you go. <laughs> let's let's talk some Kinezia auction, Ryan. Ian brought it up. Ian, well, <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I have, I, I've, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, but I've got some Kinezia stuff, but I have not played raw. I've not played, you know, um, a couple other ones that are on here. But Ian, well, raw. Raw is neat because it's it is one of those games that's all about the auction. Like that is the central component of it. But the the neat thing with Raw is you're drawing a bunch of tiles, which is basically a lot that somebody's gonna get. Um but eventually, like when people will be drawing tiles out and they'll be adding to the lot, and then somebody can stop and say, okay, let's do an auction, or an auction will automatically get triggered if certain tiles are drawn. But what's neat with the auction is that everybody's got three numbered uh, tiles, which are their auction values. So it's not like we have money or anything. You have three values and you can bid one of those values. But the interesting thing, oh, Ryan, you might need to help me out with this. When you, if you win the bid, is it that your value is now up for bid for the next one? Is that how it works? I can't. You, yeah, you replace your number that you bid with the one that's in the yeah. central of center of the board. Yes. So, so now so that, that, so that number is now part of, now your number that you lot. won the auction one is now part of the next lot. Right. That's going to, that's going to get auctioned off. And now you have a different number for the next time that there's an auction. Yeah. That's how it works. So you not cool. only get the tiles that you want, that you can go and get your points with or whatever. And you can, you also get a new number that you're going to bid with. And is this yeah. one the two that once you've won a lot, you can't participate again or you can participate? I again? don't think you can because then no. you take your new number and then that's your new number for the next round. And so you're out yeah. until the next round. And so it's cool. interesting because you only have three choices and then you have to, but you have to realize that whatever you bid is now up there for somebody else to take. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how does this differ to Medici? I have no idea. I don't know. I've never, I've never played okay. Medici. Yeah. yeah Cause I've Maybe heard like when I was doing this research, a lot of this Medici was on a lot of people's lists. 
So cool. Um, Isle of Sky. I love how they do the auction in that mm, one. That's a that's I forgot about that one. That that that, that one is an auction because you are you're a Fister fan. Yeah, give it yeah, give it to us. You're essentially you're setting the prices of the um, tiles that you have in front of you. Like one's going to get discarded. And then you set the prices of the other. T- I think that's how it works. You set the other price so that other people can pay yeah. you money to take those particular tiles. Otherwise, you've purchased the tile for yourself if no one, yeah, um, if if no one's bought it from you. That to me, that was always a problem because I'm thinking I want this tile, and I'm gonna put it expensive. But then all of a sudden somebody buys it. It's like, I don't want your money. I wanted the <laughs> tile. I'm trying to I put it at this price to push you away from it, but it attracted you. <laughs> I forgot the I forgot that, that was that was one of the main parts of how you acquired the tiles in that game. I haven't played Isle of Sky in what well, seems like forever. Yeah. That's a game because that's a game that doesn't really work that well with two players. Yeah, you no, need multiple. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I would say most. I would say almost every auction game yeah. probably doesn't work very well <laughs> with two so. players. I, I won every one. It's a solo game. It's a solo <laughs> auction game. Yeah, cool. yeah. Because there's a lot of these ones that I haven't played, but I've heard really, really high remarks about, like High Society. Mm-hmm. I've heard as being like a really good game. Keyflower's got a really cool auction because you're essentially bidding for the tiles, and it's like you like Ian yeah. um, bids one red. Now, if you want to come out, you have to bid two red or three red. You have to increase that. that and, th- and what amused me was that you're bidding on tiles that people are currently using as yeah. worker placement yeah. spots, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, hey, get off my land. And you're bidding on that. them with the workers yeah, it's like, that you hey, need pick to up go your garbage. Yeah. I'm thinking about buying this property. Right? Don't mess <laughs> it up. Um, yeah. Like, uh, what was Almond Ray? I've never played it. But again, That's- it. That's one of those Kinesia, the part of that his um his his auction trilogy. Yeah, he had an auction trilogy of, of of games, much like he had a tile laying trilogy of games as well. So cool. Um, um, Col- three- Coliseum, Coliseum yeah. had that a- extra idea that there's all the lots around that you're gonna that you're gonna be bidding oh, yeah. that you're gonna be bidding for, and then but then that also adds in that there's trading. You can also like once you've won a lot, you can also like maybe like trade with other players too um, because you're just trying to try and acquire those lots because you need the tiles to put on the shows. Yeah. In, in, yeah, in, that's in, right. In, in, in Set pieces or animals or yeah. 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 What do you guys cool. think of the blind bidding? Like the, the closed bidding? Cause I know a lot of people have problems with it. Like the sealed bids. Yeah. I know a lot of people have problems with it. They, they would prefer every bit, every auction be open auctions. I I enjoy sealed bids because it's you're you're now you're playing with people's headspace. So you're talking about. The, so you're talking about like, uh, um, is that is that what we do in Scoville? Right for the turn order. For for the turn order, you put a set money, a set amount of money in your hand, and then yeah. everybody reveals at the same time, and yeah. then that's the turn order. It's not as uh, engaging. It's 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 anticlimactic. Yeah. Right. You don't have this energy of everything getting amped up. It's pretty much okay, and then psh, it, and you're done. Right. It's sort of like popping a balloon. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't have this escalation to it. Like it, it an doesn't open, have any momentum built yeah. behind it. But sometimes, but I, if it's if you need it to be quick and easy, right? Like yeah. like Scoville, you don't want to do complex auctions every time. You want a quick and easy. Okay, now this is the turn order. There's one game on here that I put on because it was so unique. I, I, I put the it's some info. It's Zoltag, and in this game, you bid on government contracts, so it's the lowest bidder that wins and receives uh, payment in the amount of the bid. So this is something interesting too. And I was Ryan and I discussing at work. I said, "This is I've never seen this before, where where you're trying to get a contract, but you, you, the the auction is how how cheap." Can I do it without it, you know, with me making a little bit of money and, and forcing my competitors out? Uh, I thought that that's a mechanism. That's a reverse auction mechanism that needs to happen in a lot more games. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's really interesting. Yeah. So there you go. The auction mechanism. And somehow we didn't talk about Power Grid, <laughs> well, which no, is like I the first thing that came to mind. Well, I mentioned Power Grid and the fact that it's like that it's up for auction, but you have no not enough money. And you're just like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I need that power plant. I mean, that's but pretty yeah. straightforward. Go around the 
go around the room and yeah. do it. But yeah. But it's yeah. it's one of the pivotal things in the game because you could win or lose the game if you don't have this right power structure. And we didn't, and we didn't mention anything of like 18xx or like railways of the world well, or anything like yeah. that. Too. Like, I put did, I put Irish Gauge on there because that's that game is driven by the shares in the five companies that are put up for. That's like to start the game, everybody has to, you start with an auction and then. Uh, uh, auction is one of the auctioning the stocks is one of the action choices in your in during your turn. So yeah, and just and to like pull it back it. to our teaching episode a few episodes ago, you got to be really careful when you're bringing in new players to these games because one of the downfalls of auction games is that like new players will not understand the value of what they're bidding for. And yeah, so yeah. a game like Power Grid or, or these other games like that, well, you kind of got to... Age of Steam, yeah. yeah. You, you need experience yeah. to understand how volatile a choice could be. I mean, you don't want to coach them through the entire game, but yeah. if they're making a mistake and bidding too high, <laughs> you probably want to rein them back in a bit. And that's why you start them off with for sale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I like it too with Railways of the World. Like You don't start with any money. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but you but you gotta you but you gotta bid to, yeah. to to get what you want at the very beginning of the game. But you're so you're essentially starting in the hole. Good old Wallace <laughs> game, starting in the black. That's right. That's awesome. So, or I mean the red. There you go. See, I I, sh- I shouldn't be in commerce. <laughs> well, that's auction mechanisms. So yeah, that's that's I'm I'm digging this m- the mechanics series. So. If you've made it to this part, you've made it to the end of the episode, and we always say thank you, and and we always wrap it up by saying, going, I'm Norm. And, and we're going this? once, and we're going, going once. twice. Twice. <laughs> Three I'm times Norm. a lady. <laughs> oh I'm Ryan. <laughs> and I'm Ian. I don't know where he was going with that, uh, but it was he good. He doesn't know and where we'll, he was going with that. I don't know where I was going with it. <laughs> And we'll catch you later. <laughs> this has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039.